This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. This is the second part of a two-part podcast series talking about the Strategic Sites Inventory Program, or SSI. In the first episode, Victor Leota talked about the overall SSI program. In this podcast, I talk first with Sarah Salisbury from IEDC and Jeff Pipkin with Hoosier Energy about the site review workshops, and then I follow that with a conversation with Andrea Lendy with the Evansville Regional Economic Partnership, Daryl Velker with Harrison County Economic Development, and Brian Anderson with Wabash Valley Power Association. Andrea, Daryl, and Brian all talk about their experiences with the site review workshops. Again, the purpose of these two podcasts is to motivate local economic developers to schedule their site review workshops with Sarah at the IEDC. So here is episode two. The Strategic Sites Inventory Process, SSI, is intended to expand the number of developable sites throughout Indiana. The first phase review has been conducted in all of Indiana's counties, and now IEDC is trying to schedule review meetings to share the results with local economic developers. Sarah Salisbury is the site search specialist with the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, IEDC, and Jeff Pipkin is the economic development manager with Hoosier Energy. Uh, They both are joining me today to help talk about the uh, site review meetings that they are conducting right now, how those site review meetings are conducted, how they help the local economic developers, and then how it really helps us uh, position the state of Indiana with some new opportunities. Uh, So I'm gonna turn to you first, Sarah, talk about what are the site review workshops and what kind of information is is included in that and how are they conducted? Well, Lee, um, the site review workshops are a review of sites that were identified by Leoto Location and and Design as being the most viable sites possible for future economic development. The workshops have been going really well so far. We've completed 29 already and have several upcoming workshops scheduled. Initially, due to COVID, we did have some challenges getting the information out there about the program. Um, I was making direct calls to each of our local EDOs to talk to them about the program. Then IEDA helped us organize a webinar to get the message out also. And thank you very much for that. All in all, the workshops we have conducted have been very successful. It's amazing how much information our economic development partners have on tap, and I'm always excited to learn more about each community and the strengths that they bring to the table. So, Jeff, the Indiana Power Partners and the the utility partners have really been a champion of this from the very beginning. What did you see in this process that you thought provided a good opportunity for Indiana to pursue this? Well, from a utility standpoint, I think, uh, you know, it it's not always up to us of where we want to see development. There are some areas where it makes a little bit more sense for us, but, you know, we're always looking for uh, future opportunities and where we need to expand infrastructure. So getting the feedback from the communities, I think has been fantastic. 
and not only from the Lido's, which we're in contact with on a regular basis, but other individuals in the community that we typically do not talk with, uh, getting their perspective and you know what what their views are on some of these sites, whether it's doable or not, um, the likelihood of them actually becoming sites. So, so I think uh, then, based upon the, those that you've been involved in thus far. What's been the reaction from the local economic developers to what they've seen in those workshops? Have they been surprised by some of the some of the new information? Does it look like it's going to be beneficial to them? What kind of reactions have you seen thus far? You know, I think it's been mixed. I think for some of the executive directors that have been there quite a long time, I don't think they had that many surprises. Uh, I think some of the sites that popped up to the top, they're aware of, they've done a little bit of research on. And since I used to be a local economic developer, I I know the amount of work and the amount of uh, different things that are pulling for your time in that office. So at times it can be difficult to focus on new development and you know, where, where is our next industrial park going to be? Because you're reacting to so many other things. But uh, to have this assistance from the state, from a Lido standpoint, if, if this occurred while I was a Lido, I would have been uh, immensely appreciative. And uh, from the utilities standpoint, I think we are too. So, so Sarah, how is this going to help IEDC further kind of do your job? And certainly as you're looking at down the road, as some of these sites become better understood and become a little further, how does that help us market the state? How does that help us when we're responding to uh, you know, requests for information? What did you see in this process that IEDC thought was going to be very beneficial? Well, during the workshops, not only are we evaluating the sites, but our discussions often include um, current and future plans and quality of life projects and the community strengths. And all of these things are helpful in a site selection process. Knowing a community's goals can help me to guide clients toward an area that they may not have previously considered. Having all of this information ahead of RFIs puts all of us at a strategic advantage with the ability to already know about our best potential sites before we even get requests. I think it's a game changer to be this aligned with our local economic development partners about where some of the really exciting hidden gems are being uncovered. We're sharing the benefits of finding our best community assets together. And when the RFIs do arrive, I feel like we're more prepared than ever to give our best, most compelling responses. So go back a little bit now. So now the point is we're trying to get those Lido directors who have not scheduled their their phase one review meetings, trying to get those scheduled uh, so they can see the first round. And in that first round, then there are rankings of the sites from one to five. So again, go back and talk a little bit about then what they see, how that's done in that meeting. Are there, it's, I assume it's visual at some point that they're actually seeing you know, where some of those potential sites are. They're talking through all of that. What does that process look like when they're actually in the meeting? Well, yes, it is very visual. The uh, workshops are conducted via webinar. And um, we have participation from our uh, local economic development organizations, utility partners, anybody that can bring something to the table in regard to the parcels that we'll be reviewing. 
during the uh, site review process, everyone adds their input on the parcels, uh, landowner willingness to engage, topography, future plans in the area for infrastructure. Um, all of those things are taken into consideration. Then at the end of the uh, workshop, we go through each of the parcels and they the locals provide a ranking for these sites. And after the workshop, any sites that rank four or higher, those are the sites that are considered most viable toward potential future development. That information is included in the SSI portal, uh, which is an internal database of each county's sites. And IEDC has provided LIDO access to this database. I believe having this information easily accessible will better prepare LIDOs in knowing which sites would be primed to move forward into the next phases, which might include further, further studies, landowner engagement, and so on. Once these sites have moved forward in the next phases, then they can be included in the state's public sites and buildings database for marketing. Uh, we've already had at least one LIDO who engaged with the landowner after his local site review workshop and he obtained an option on the property and was able to submit his site to an RFI. Because of the workshop, he was able to take advantage of that opportunity and future ones. So Indiana has a new property in our database to present to our clients, and that's a success story. I think there was some concern early on when this project was first rolled out that this was going to be a very top-down process. And uh, Jeff, either you or Sarah, really can weigh in here. I think there was, again, there was a lot of this that wasn't known. And there was a sense that the utilities and IEDC were sort of ganging up on the locals to tell them how to run their business. So again, talk about, you, Sarah, you touched upon who else might be included in some of these meetings, but really talk about how you hope that this becomes more of a locally driven process in terms of trying to figure out what fits and what doesn't. The only thing I would add is, you know, it may have looked that way in the beginning, but when you get into the conversations and get into the workshop, you can definitely get the sense that it is then a local project because all of the local uh, representatives are giving their feedback on, on the sites that are being presented. And Le the Leota group is not pressuring people into saying, well, this is a really good site. Is there any way we can make this work? If the locals know that that landowner is never going to sell, then you just move on to the next one. Really, we're just trying to provide information and trying to provide possible opportunities to be looked at um, that may not have been looked at in the, in the past. In support of what Jeff was saying, that is absolutely IEDC's primary goal is to arm our local economic development organizations with knowledge to assist them with understanding uh, the inventory in their prospective counties, um, what is most viable towards bringing forward for economic development, which will utilize their um, time and their assets more effectively by knowing this. So definitely this is a, just the initial phase of a LIDO-driven program. So I know you're in the process of trying to get, you said that you have uh, done, I believe, 29 of the 92. So you're in the process of trying to get uh, other counties to participate, to uh, come to the meeting so that they can see their sites. 
what do you need those folks to do now so that they can get in the queue for their meetings? I, I have a questionnaire. Um, it's a basic community questionnaire that essentially is like a, a mini RFI. And uh, once they have completed this questionnaire and returned it to me, then they um, I'll reach out to them and we'll get a workshop date scheduled on the calendar. I will email them once we've confirmed a date. I will email them the uh, site information for the sites that we will be reviewing. That will enable them to tailor their invitations to the appropriate participants for the workshop. And then we just go forward with the workshop. Um, if anyone has any questions about the program or the questionnaire or any part of this process, they're more than welcome to reach out to me. I'm, I'm happy. I'm very excited about this program. I'm always happy to talk about it. And I hope my enthusiasm is contagious. So how do they get the questionnaire? Let's start there. That would actually come from me. They just need to reach out to me. I will send it to them. And um, it's, again, Lido driven. When they respond back with the questionnaire, the timing is all based on, on them. And how long is the questionnaire? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to reduce as much of the resistance as possible uh, to this process by helping people understand uh, you know, that this is, uh, this is the cost benefit is in their favor to pursue this process. So how long is the questionnaire? Um, basically, it's, it's about a two-page questionnaire. It's the, probably the easiest uh, RFI you'll ever complete. Actually, most of the questions that are contained in the questionnaire is information that you would already have on hand um, to respond to an RFI. And if you don't, this would certainly help you prepare to have that information on hand for RFI responses in the future. The workshop itself is approximately, depending on the number of sites that we have to review, two to three and a half hours at most. And the information that is obtained from the workshop, in my opinion, is just invaluable. We'll make sure that everybody, if they don't know how to reach Sarah, that, that uh, we provide that information, uh, that that's the first step uh, is uh, getting in the queue, reaching out to Sarah, doing the questionnaire. And Jeff, Sarah, what, what haven't we talked about just in terms of the meetings themselves and why people should be getting signed up for these things? You know, I, I think, Something that I would add is through my work, I, I speak with a lot of site consultants uh, throughout the country. And one of the things that top thing that they keep talking about is workforce. But uh, another thing they keep talking about is the lack of product out there. For our communities to develop product, you have to start somewhere. And I think this is an excellent starting spot uh, for a lot of communities that may not have a whole lot of inventory and you know, you never know what this project might carry on to. You know, you might have a, a, a investment ready site uh, ready to go after this process or after you bring in a, a consultant to do a little bit more due diligence. And then, you know, maybe your community will want to take the next step and put up a spec building. So, you know, it, you got to start somewhere. And I think this is a great starting spot. Sarah, anything else from you? Uh, in support of what Jeff was saying, it has just been a, a phenomenal year in regard to project activity. And that coincides directly with 
our inventory, the sites and buildings database, and what we have out there to offer projects. I just recently read an article just in the Marion County, Indianapolis area that they've had a record amount of activity for uh, leases, which has already surpassed previous year end levels, and that the market vacancy rate um, at the end of the third quarter in 2021 is at 3.7%. That just supports the fact of how important it is that we stay ahead of the game and that we are are making sure that we're increasing our inventory and having land parcels out there to replenish what we're currently losing on the market right now. Okay, uh, Jeff Pinkin with uh, Hoosier Energy, Sarah Salisbury with IEDC. Uh, Thanks for talking today about the SSI project. Hopefully we can get some of the local economic developers in the queue to do their site review meetings. My pleasure, Lee. Thank you. In other segments on this podcast, we have explored the purpose of the strategic sites inventory process and talked about how LIDO directors are engaged. Uh, We've explored how, at the state level, this collective effort will help position Indiana to more effectively compete compete for projects. And now we want to get down to the local level and talk about how the SSI projects work for the local economic developers and their utility partners. Uh, IEDC is scheduling the site review workshops where each county learns about the potential new sites that have been identified. Uh, For this segment, I'm joined by Brian Anderson, Economic Development Director for Wabash Valley Power Association. Also with me is Andrea Lindy, Economic Development Manager with the Evansville Regional Economic Partnership. And also joining me today is Daryl Velker, Executive Director of the Harrison County Economic Development Corporation. So thank you all for being here. Uh, Brian, I'm going to start with you and really talk about from your perspective, having now seen a number of these workshops and seeing the, the results, how from a utility perspective does the SSI phase one review workshops, how does that, uh, how do they work? Uh, and what is it that you're learning when you've been sitting through some of those? Yeah, so I think a lot of times when we are looking and evaluating a site, there's only so much we know. Obviously for us, we understand what the power availability is on that site, what infrastructure from an electrical standpoint is on that site. But when we're out, whether it be as the power partners or as a standalone utility going out and trying to promote different opportunities to site selectors or to businesses, there's a number of variables out of our control. So we're always looking for more product that we can move um, and product for us in a lot of ways is just land. And so when we're going through those phase one investigations, there's a number of communities that come together to really discuss sort of what is known, what is unknown about that site. More often than not, it's a matter of saying, okay, this uh, landowner or this family, or sometimes it's these families own these collection of parcels over the site that's been identified. And you might get somebody saying, oh yeah, you know, I go to church with that person and there's no way that they're gonna sell, or this has been in their family for a hundred years and they're ready to give it up. So you, you learn a lot from just the, the motivation of the landowner without necessarily having to go knock on doors and say, hey, would you be willing to move this property? And then being able to pull in other utilities, whether it be water, sewer, gas, you can learn what's available there. Because really these phase one investigations, I mean, they're desktop review type stuff. So they really haven't 
boiled down into historic uses yet. They haven't really looked at all the available infrastructure that's nearby. Um, a lot of times we're reliant on maps that are maybe out of date or maybe not always the tidiest when it comes to data. So I think it, it allows you to really go through that process of elimination on a number of those sites to really drive down and drill down to what is the best possible property for going forward with the phase two investigation, which is when you really need to start spending a little little change into putting together that, that investigation for, for the phase two. Then I think this helps you get to a certain point then when you talked about having more product. So that I think is the ultimate goal is that we're really trying to expand the amount of products. How is that going to fit into your marketing efforts then at Wabash Valley? So Speaking for WVPA, we have something we call our power site. So on our website, we try to promote what we kind of consider to be the best of the best real estate opportunities in our service territory. We have further sort of segmented those out into, you know, this is a site that's best for a data center. This is a site that's best for agriculture, manufacturing, so on and so forth. So with this first round of SSI, they've really done more of a deep dive into what are the sites that seem just sort of on the surface to be best for heavy industrial type usage? Looking at everything from zoning, access to you know major highways, airports, some of the things that we know are going to be high on the ranking list for heavy industrial type businesses. And for us, that's a matter of confidence. So we feel that when we go out and we're talking to a site selector in South Carolina or Atlanta or somewhere like that, and can say we feel pretty confident that we have a site that is perfect for that type of user. It only helps our marketing from that standpoint, because we have that third party validation that, yes, this is in fact checking off a lot of those necessary boxes that we know that that industry is looking for. And then on the flip side, the, the data piece, being able to show a site selector or a business or whomever might be showing interest in that particular parcel, it means that you know we've got better data than maybe you're just your run-of-the-mill site. We generally have a philosophy of we want to make sure that before you ask it, we've already got the information. So whether that be the pressure and the diameter of the pipeline that's running by with gas that's within near proximity to that site, we wanna make sure we own that information before the site selector or whomever has to ask for it so they've got it teed up and can make that decision. Whether it be eliminating a site or including a site, it just cuts everything down and it's a, it's a matter of customer service and things like that. So it really helps to me, all aspects of selling property and trying to move it to the people who we hope are going to continue to bring us projects either today or in the future. Thanks. So I think, again, the reason that we're having these conversations is we're trying to encourage more of the local economic development professionals to sign up for the workshops and really start to review their sites. And that's why we have Andrea and Daryl on is because they've been through the process and we really wanted them to talk about what the experience was like and sort of what they've learned. Uh, so I'm going to start with you, Andrea, and just talk about, you know, what was the workshop like for you and what did you find out by participating? Yeah, it was a really interesting process. You know, it's great for counties that don't have a ton of inventory to really dive in, see what's out there and kind of gives us more options to consider in a confidential manner. I think that's what's also really important. You know, these are properties owned by people in the community that, you know, some of the group may or may not know, but no, none of the 
commercial realtors were in the room, you know, that would want to kind of snag up this property for potential development. But it was really great. I would encourage everyone to take the time on the uh, community questionnaire. I know it's very lengthy, but definitely worth it. So, Daryl, you know, you've obviously been uh, doing this for some time. Uh, Were there any surprises in the process for you? The surprise of the most uh, that I had uh, was at the start and the the very beginning. It was announced, I believe, at at an IEDA conference or something that none of us, very few of us had heard anything about it. And then I got an email from Sarah telling me that there were sites identified and that we needed to schedule the workshop and she gave me some optional dates. So I I didn't, I wasn't, didn't expect it to happen like that. And what I mean is, is that I, I, I'm in a small community and we don't have a lot of sites that we promote. We have very few that are ready to, to land a, a, a building right now anyway. And the thought that, we're going to get a group of people. And there was a long list of people to be invited to that I, uh, I would not have, I just couldn't do that. Like the county assessor and elected officials. And what I visualized was uh, I'm going to be sitting on a, on a virtual meeting with people that are going to see a piece of property that at that time, I didn't know where any of the sites were. They only send them to you a few days before. So I was concerned that, uh, you know, somebody might walk in the assessor's office one day and say, hey, I was in on a meeting and uh, Daryl's showing your property. And, you know, the, the, the 100 acre farmer, you know, flips out and wonders what I'm doing. So the surprise to me was, is it wasn't like that at all. Uh, I didn't have elected officials and I had uh, all the utility people that I've dealt with about properties and things before. There were some private contractors uh, someone from the plan commission I thought was important, but uh, it was really uh, a great exercise in getting the utility providers primarily and someone from the, and a member of the plan commission who's at happens to be an engineer uh, to get quality input about places and, and have open discussion. And uh, I, again, the only surprise was it just came, we didn't get the site. We didn't know where they were, going to be or who owned them very much in advance. And that caused great concern on my part. But the surprise was uh, all of them were realistic, worth looking at. Some of them were sites we really already promoted. They just weren't weren't, uh, on utilities necessarily. So the surprise was a good one. And uh, I, I would encourage anybody, you know, that hasn't done so to move forward with it. So this can go to, to both you, Andrea and Daryl, but so then talk about how many sites that you each had, you know, that were demonstrated and shown. And obviously you go through a process of trying to rank them, but for each of you, how many sort of new sites were there that was part of, again, what this is all about, how, how we are identifying new opportunities, how many new opportunities did you each see and, uh, and then, you know, how many of those then are, are sort of rising to the top of the list? We'll go back and start with you, Andrea. Sure. We had 10, sorry, we had 17 total, 10 moved forward that ranked, you know, four to five, Okay. Um, four of them ranked four to four and a half. 
and six ranked five. So quite a few moved forward. Yeah, that's a very, that's a very impressive number. I think that uh, that's a little bit more than what Victor normally tells people to expect. How about you, Daryl? We had 12 total uh, and six of those were new completely. Uh, We had, we only had three that were four or above and one was a 4.5. They, the, the one, one of those, I've been marketing, but it was a soybean or it's a soybean field. Now it's still, the exercise was good, even though a couple of the places that they identified we had as ideas were sites. And I knew where the utilities were in relation to them. The exercise of the workshop and should I say inspired me or gave me a reason to contact the property owners again and talk to them specifically about the property. So even though they weren't new, uh, the ones that were four, and and we had one that was 4.5, I have contacted those property owners. So Brian, uh, you know, I don't know, have you sat in on a number of these meetings? And if so, how does Andrea's and Daryl's experience relate to some of the others that you've seen? Yeah, you know, and and I don't always get great visibility into what the ultimate number was, but I'd say it's it's on par that they're they're great discussions. And, you know, I think there's a lot of good local insight shared in terms of coming out with a number of sort of high ranking properties. And obviously for us, it's it's a matter of what is and is not in our service territory. So you could have a county with a lot of sites and we don't have any of them and we might have a bunch of them or we might be somewhere in between. But, you know, ultimately it's good economic development one way or the other. But I would say it's it's pretty similar to what we've witnessed throughout the state in a lot of those phase one intakes. So Andrea and Daryl, what do you do next? What's the next steps for for each of you in terms of now that you have this information? Daryl already alluded to the fact that he's been meeting with some of those property owners. And and I guess there's I guess some people are going to hear that and say, well, God, that's just a lot more work we have to do. But it looks like it's presenting a lot of new opportunities. So what do you do next? Uh, Andrea, we're kind of starting with you. So what's what are the next steps for you? That is a great question. We have not reached out to any of the property owners. A significant portion of them is the same family. And I remember Victor mentioning how he has someone on his team that can kind of, you know, be a third party, which I think is important too, because if if I were to call them up in economic development, they might think, oh, my land is worth X amount of money, way more than what it's truly worth. So I think kind of having that third party is important so that they don't have an unrealistic property value. It's kind of just on pause, I guess, for now. I don't know if Victor's team has thoughts for an SSI2 or what that might look like, but that's where we stand right now. And I'll just add into that. You know, that was a concern that we had very early on because a lot of these sites have never really been thought about as development sites. They've never really been contemplated or identified or delineated as an industrial park or business park or anything of that sort. And here we are coming out saying, hey, we think that you're great for the next big you know, industrial campus or whatever it might be, and how that could affect things from just a land speculation, valuation, that type of thing too. We've had pretty, pretty long negotiations with Victor's team about, you know, we'll just, what is 
sort of the most sensible thing for us to do moving forward in terms of engaging landowners versus, you know, kind of getting a slow head nod of, yeah, would you be interested in in selling if somebody came along and did that, made a, made a proposal to you or, you know, something of that nature. And I think we've sort of settled in on that idea of, you know, worst thing to do would be to really blindside somebody, say, hey, we're now marketing your site, even though you didn't know it, but to kind of get a feel. And we actually, just as an example, we had a, a site that we liked a lot in Northern Indiana, right off a highway, really kind of major thoroughfare type frontage. And we asked the economic developer to go out, just talk to the landowner to see what their willingness was to entertain development on that site, just, you know, farmland right now. And they said, they would only be interested in residential development, which, you know, that's a win for us too, but that's not what this project is intended to do. And, you know, it was a little bit of a disappointment in one regard, but at the same time, I'm really glad we had that conversation before we went out and put people's time and effort and money into taking that next step. So, you know, getting that kind of cursory look and seeing if the property owners are at least amenable to considering sale, considering development, as long as, you know, everybody's on board with that type of scope, I think is a good process. But, you know, at the same time, too, a lot of these sites, they need some work, they need a little extra TLC before they're really going to be prime sites for sort of shovel readiness as well. So, you know, no reason to get the cart before the horse. So how does that track been, Daryl, with, with your experience and where you are in the process? Well, that's, uh, we need to go go further and take next steps. Uh, talking to the property owners was not, and it was a kind of a pleasant surprise in the, in the ones case, because I had marketed their property before I sent pictures to the state, probably, and definitely to developers. But I'd never talked to him about it. So the next step, I mean, in order to be able to deliver a piece of property for a project, we've got to have uh, the at least the infrastructure identified. It doesn't have to necessarily be certified, but it certainly would help. So uh, the next step is to start some of that uh, due diligence work and uh, see what we can get and see if we can get the property under control too, because that's uh, that business about how much it's worth uh, changes uh, as soon as somebody knows there's a person interested in it. And, uh, we have been able to buy some property without anyone interested in it. And obviously that it's easier that way. So uh, that would be our next step is to try and get the property under control and to do a little bit more prepared, you know, get it more prepared and ready to deliver. So uh, I'm not sure we, we've talked about this, but then for the workshop itself, how long were each of your sessions? How many hours or how much time did you actually spend in, in the workshop itself? Our hours was about an hour and a half. Again, 12 sites. It didn't, we went over all of them in pretty good detail and an hour and a half was enough. Andrea? And ours was about three hours. We provided lunch and just met from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Yeah, because I think when, when I did talk to Sarah Salisbury, I mean, I think she said you should plan maybe three to three and a half hours, but I thought maybe, you know, there was a range and it's good to know that there is a little bit more of a range there in terms of the amount of time. What haven't we talked about in terms of your experience at these workshops and just your overall impression of this process? I mean, how has it been? Good, negative? What's been your impression? I think it's been really great. It's provided more clarity on where developments could occur and gives us options to consider. Yeah, I think my my observation has been good meetings, good discussion about the sites themselves. But I think sometimes people are a little unfamiliar of what we're doing this for, what we're driving towards, especially with 
pulling the trigger on a phase two investigation through the SSI process and what that actually means and what people are going to get out of that. So in the meetings that I've been in, it's been good because it, it allows people to sort of ask some of those questions and to get that information out to explain, you're gonna get this report. The report is incredibly comprehensive. It answers every question you could imagine, you could imagine for just, you know, doing a base site analysis, you know, short of starting to plunk holes in the ground and doing soil structure and soil borings and all those sort of things, you're gonna get a real soup to nuts look as well as sort of some potential costs and usage out of this site going forward. So, you know, it's always funny when you think about this isn't so much site evaluation, it's site elimination in a lot of ways, but kind of echo back on on sort of the timing and how long these, these things take. You know, some of these sites, you know, it's less than a five minute conversation because there's some poison pill on a particular site that when you look at it from 30,000 feet, you just you don't know, but the local intel is there to just nix it. And then there's other ones that you can take half an hour and just be scratching the surface on all the, the possibilities and all the things that could be thought about with those sites. So I, I just think that it's been a, a really good opportunity from that, but also just sort of fundamentally, it's getting people in the community thinking about, yeah, you know, we do have to start thinking about where's our future development opportunities, especially as we look at some of the areas that are, you know, maybe a little bit more active, you know, the Metro Indy areas, Metro Fort Wayne areas, at least in our service territory, you get into that sort of mode of thinking, okay, well, where is the next rung of development going to happen? And where is the next big sort of um, schematic design and schematic build going to take place for future infrastructure growth, whether it be for internet or sewer, water, electricity, whatever it might be, it kind of gets those juices flowing and you can kind of see people come around to some ideas that, oh, I hadn't thought about that site before, but you know that does make a lot of sense in a lot of ways for, for heavy industrial. So it's been really good for sort of teasing out just you know, that sort of forward-looking thought from, from multiple areas in the community. So, so Daryl, one thing for you, I mean, as you are perhaps in a smaller, more rural county, do you think that this creates maybe some, so Brian just talked about, you know, some aha moments in there, seeing some things, you know, does that create for a county of your size, does that really create maybe some, some opportunities that you hadn't thought about before? And is that something that you know, we think will be replicated maybe in other rural counties? It did. It did for us. And, and I think it certainly could be. Uh, the circumstances about this one piece of property, which, as I said, I identified and put a box around it on a photo. But somebody was looking. I mean, a, a developer from Louisville, somebody that had market the area to a lot was looking at it. And uh, that they needed more information. So that was part of the reason I had to meet the property owner fast, but I had more information on that site and uh, than I did before because of the, of the, uh, the workshop. Uh, you know, again, utility uh, providers were involved. But the other thing was that that project that the developer was looking for, uh, they, it wasn't a site that came from the SSI, but they chose a site in the proximity that was uh, not, not too far from there. So I kind of feel like it was the bigger piece of property that lured them in. So among the three of you, uh, is there anything that I haven't asked about uh, that you particularly want to uh, make sure that we cover in thinking about the, the overall process or the, the review meetings? Anything we haven't touched upon? I guess, you know, Coming from a utility perspective, I guess my my message to the Lido's would be: it doesn't seem like it's all that frequent that you get all of your utilities and community 
partners around the table to talk about forward-looking development sites, things like that. You've had that opportunity now, so let's continue to leverage this and let's continue to talk about some of these things because speaking for my organization, it would be great to be able to take an area of a community and say, this site in our territory needs infrastructure because this community has big plans and the gas company and the water company and the sewer company are all sort of thinking in that same direction. So it helps us sort of lever internally where those investments are going to be made and, and where we sort of move those chips. So, you know, this, this phase one opportunity, it's great for looking at the sites, but it's also sort of tangentially beneficial because it puts us all in the room together and allows us to maybe make some future looking decisions based on where we know that community is making some plans in the future. And that seems to be something that um, is, is sorely needed in a state that is uh, getting as much activity and traction as Indiana is these days. Daryl, Andrea, any last thoughts? You know, the main thing that I would say is, you know, what we need to do, do need to move forward. And I don't know if there's any other follow-up coming from uh, from Victor's uh, team or not, or the state. But again, most of what I see that needs to be done is it's it's on my part and uh, to just to just move forward with these pieces of property. And from the standpoint of anyone that doesn't, uh, if uh, in, in a community similar to ours, you know, I'm certain that they need more sites. Uh, it makes you more competitive. So uh, from that viewpoint, it was a very good exercise. And uh, and I feel like some of the uh, uh, inviting people from the planning commission and inviting the utilities to, to join with that exercise recognizes that we consider them uh, partners in this process. And I think that helped too. I think I've, I've noticed the conversations with those people uh, uh, was much more, uh, I won't say it was disagreeable before, but they felt like they were more part of the program. So uh, I considered it worthwhile for those reasons. Yeah. I mean, if you're struggling with inventory, this is just kind of a no brainer process to go through. I feel like Victor's made it incredibly easy to sort of plug and play. Well, Victor and Sarah, I should say, to just, you know, kind of follow the, follow the guidelines, invite, key community players and, you know, discover sites that you were unaware of before. It's, it's truly a win-win. All right. I thank you all. That was Andrea Lindy with the uh, Evansville Regional Economic Partnership. Uh, we had Brian Anderson with Wabash Valley Power Association and Daryl Velker, Harrison County Economic Development Corporation, talking about the SSI phase one review process. I want to thank you all for being with me today. Thank you, Lee. Thanks. You've been listening to IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for the members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. This is Lee Llewellyn, and whether it sounds like it or not, I really am trying to be a lot less annoying on these podcasts. Uh, This podcast is copyright 2021, all rights reserved. Not sure anybody else would want them.